Hello, I am Katerina Sliva. I am a partner at Dentons in the Real Estate Group. I am also the head of our Land Use Planning, Municipal and Development Law Group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities Think Tank. I am also your host for the Smart Cities Chat Podcast Series, brought to you by Dentons. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the Smart Cities space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast. In this episode, Kelly Osaka and I are pleased to be joined by Mary Ellen Bench and Anka Sadler. Mary Ellen serves as counsel in Denton's Real Estate Group. She advises clients on governance, municipal law, development, and infrastructure matters. Mary Ellen has 30 years of experience in municipal public service, holding various leadership roles in the legal department at the City of Toronto, as well as city solicitor for the City of Mississauga. Anka is a senior associate at Denton's and works with the firm's international trade, privacy, and security, and litigation dispute resolution groups. Anka is passionate about the intricacies of privacy and data protection laws and is a sought after speaker on these subjects. She's also a certified information privacy professional. Today, we will have a conversation about smart cities, what they are, how they give rise to autonomous vehicles, and the privacy implications associated with their technologies. So now I'd like to welcome Mary Ellen, Anka, and Kelly. Mary Ellen, let's start with you. How about you start us off with a quick overview of what a smart city is, or you know, perhaps how we could define a smart city? There's a lot of challenges with defining a smart city. There's no one common definition. Uh, it's a combination of technology plus data plus sustainability programs plus integration with urban development in terms of the, the most commonly identified pillars that are attributed to a smart city. Sustainability is the focus of smart cities in a lot of places and in 2015 the United Nations set up sustainability goals to help assess what is a smart city. So. Um, a lot of the debate around technology is like different types of technology that will help us with sustainability and municipalities have to decide on what the technology is that their population needs and how to implement it. So for example, a lot of municipalities start with uh, AI and 5G networks as a system that will allow them to control traffic signals and to track information about the movement of goods and services so that it can make better decisions around issues like gridlock or where transit is, is needed at a higher or less capacity or where bike lanes go and those kinds of matters. Uh, another common technology is free public Wi-Fi or digital main streets outdoor uh, digital screens and parks, uh, which help prompt fitness programs or outdoor wayfinding prompts or historical information on digital screens are also common in municipalities. And then when municipalities are considering applications for new development, they look for innovation around things like intelligent buildings that use and track less energy or have different systems built into them. 
Uh, they encourage things like a vacuum garbage disposal system so that there's less truck traffic and again, uh, less garbage on the streets if it all gets taken away in a proper way. And they even use information about vehicle movements to determine what the road network needs to be for that area or the transit needs for an area. And it can be widely varied what you consider as, as part of smart city technologies. So the city of uh, Guelph, Ontario recently won a smart cities challenge grant that allowed it to explore opportunities to end food waste by levering technology. And they're doing this in collaboration with both their rural and urban partners. Uh, another example, the city of Kitchener just approved spending almost $3 million on an intelligent traffic system that will use cameras and AI to track traffic movement so that they can create up-to-date heat mapping and uh, read patterns and traffic as they come forward. And the press release attached to that says that this data and this heat mapping will be shared with over 200 municipalities that use the same system so that they can all learn uh, from each other as they go along. So uh, it's, it's wide and varied. Mary Allen, if we, if we stick with autonomous vehicles and the associated technology, I wonder if you can give us sort of a lay of the land on whether Canadian cities are embracing these types of technologies and whether you expect them to integrate um, further technologies in the future. Many Canadian cities are participating in pilot programs that are testing autonomous vehicles right now. So Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto, City of Mississauga are some of the ones that are, are doing this testing. Most of them are doing it on closed circuits rather than a mis mixed traffic, but Ontario has approved moving forward to the next stage. So I can say that many municipalities are intrigued by this. They're partnering with universities and companies like Uber and manufacturers like Tesla as well. And on the public side, Metrolinx is a big supporter of autonomous vehicles and has been working for several years now to test autonomous vehicles in the GTAH. So whether it's on, on tracks, we think of Metrolinx as, as being um, rail or light rail. Uh, but it's also dealing with shuttle buses and different other services. So I can say that municipalities are definitely intrigued and see the benefits and fewer accidents, uh, but they still have some questions around the technology and around the use of the data that's collected. For example, um, a lot of the technology for autonomous de uh, vehicles deals with technology that's in streetlights, but it also deals with technology that's in sensors in the roads. So you have to ask, how does that work with the Canadian winter where you've got snow and sand and salt and where's snow plows that can take these things out? Um, our insurance system in Canada is based on insuring drivers rather than vehicles. So there's a lot of questions around that and how do you ensure the vehicle when there is no driver? It needs something different. And in metropolitan areas, like in the GTA, like we have several municipalities. We've got upwards of 20 different municipalities. So how do you make sure the regulations match and fit if, if you're constantly switching from a speed limit of 50 
kilometers an hour to 40 kilometers an hour, some places 30. What do you do with uh, a municipality that puts in traffic calming measures like speed bumps when you're dealing with these? Uh, there's always the humps and bumps. So a lot of questions out there. That's interesting to think about the broader implications. And I know that there, this is still early days and there's not necessarily a regulatory regime in place. Anka, I wonder if you can speak more broadly to industry standards and um, the types of cybersecurity threats that, that might be in place for this type of autonomous technology. Canada has positioned itself as a uh, North American leader in transformative automated technologies, uh, as well as in transportation and infrastructure systems. At the federal level, uh, the Canadian Motor Vehicle Safety Act permits testing of autonomous vehicles. And since January 1st, 2019, Ontario now allows vehicles equipped with level three technology to be driven on Ontario roads. Uh, to put this in perspective, on the scale of automated levels for connected and autonomous vehicles, most countries allow vehicles that are classified under the levels zero, one, and two to be on the road. Uh, level two, for example, allows for an automated system to execute the steering, the braking, and acceleration and deceleration, but the human driver is still responsible for monitoring the driving environment, and there is only partial automation. Uh, level three that is now allowed in uh, Ontario is conditional automation, which is one step closer to full automation, but still relying on the human driver to take over the performance in, of certain driving tasks in response to a request to intervene. Transport Canada also issued guidelines for testing of level three, four, and five automated systems. So these are five is the full automation of a vehicle. Now, elsewhere in the world, if we are to look at um, the comparison with the Canadian environment, um, autonomous vehicles with drivers are allowed to be tested on public roads in California, for example. And California also allows for autonomous vehicle networks. These are, um, in Canada, some shuttle pilot uh, programs are allowed in Quebec, in a city in Quebec, and um, an electric AV shuttle project is allowed in Calgary, for example. These are both allowed to charge customers for rights. In South Korea, there, there was an interesting development recently with uh, legislation that allows for the implementation of level three and higher in designated road section in test zone. And now this framework is uh, in step with building a, a support infrastructure. But from a privacy perspective, this new legislation provides for an exemption from the rigorous privacy restrictions in South Korea for the collection and use, use and disclosure of personal information while operating an automated vehicle. The exception is that information can be collected, used, and disclosed as long as it is anonymized. And yes, you will say that anonymous data is not personal information and does not trigger privacy protections, but this legislation goes even further and it does not impose any restrictions even before the information is anonymized. Such permission or exception to legislative uh, requirements is not present yet in Canada. Privacy implications associated with um, with the data 
are mostly related to the use of sensors in, in, the, um, in the vehicles. There are, of course, benefits, and Marianne touched on some of those benefits to, uh, to using automated vehicles in cities. But uh, we have to understand that the telematics or the information that's being collected from the sensors and uh, the information that it's fed back to the driver also pose the risk to disclosure or to um, access to personal information. The collection and use of personal information is generally subject to restrictions related to consent use and disclosure. And if we look at the Canadian privacy environment, uh, there are legislation that, separate legislation for the collection, use and disclosure of personal information that are um, for the private sector. And then there is separate legislation that applies to the public sector. So if you have a public-private partnership that offers, uh, offers AV solutions, for example, uh, bus or public transportation um, solutions within a city, each one of those participating entities will may be governed by different privacy legislation, which will put the collection, use, and disclosure of information subject to different requirements and different restrictions under those various legislations that apply. There are also privacy concerns from the speculations around knowing who will have access to data. And Marielle mentioned that a number of cities may, may rely on data from other cities or other systems to, um, to understand how their, their infrastructure should be built and how they can regulate within their own jurisdictions. Um, but it's also the autonomous car manufacturers who are making their data sets freely available to enable and foster growth in the industry. So that is another issue of concern and issue of uh, that has to or calls for standardization and and legislative reform. But we also see consumer perception driving the privacy concerns because there are studies who show that there is a reluctance among the public accepting self-driving cars and, and because of issues of trust. Looking at the privacy legislation in Canada, which required consent for the collection of sensitive information, such as location, um, is clearly not possible when cameras are on the vehicle collect information of bystanders, or that the infrastructure of the city also records information and like, likeness of individuals who just happen to pass on the street. So what the expectation is that the regulations could take three forms. It'll be industry self-regulation, it'll be in Canada, federal regulation, and as well as provincial and lo local restrictions that will also apply. Yes, thank you, Anka. Carl, do you have anything to add on public transfer, transport versus private transport implications? Marielle, maybe you could comment on the intersection between public transportation and private transportations. So how would say, this technology affect a city's liability? When autonomous vehicles are allowed to be on the street in traffic, uh, there are a lot of concerns that impact municipalities. Uh, as Anka has explained, there are five levels of autonomous vehicles with level five being no driver in the car. So um, 
there's a concern about what happens if the sensors uh, get realigned by a snowplow, what happens if the system crashes and the vehicle loses uh, direction because it's not being told what to do or where to go, what happens if somebody hacks into the system. And we have seen a number of examples of municipalities having their system hacked into and held to ransom. If somebody is going to hold your transit system to ransom, it's a big problem, like you're using it in a public vehicle. Uh, there's also uh, a lot of concerns about what happens when the vehicle hits something in its way, and I mean literally hits something in its way, uh, because accidents do happen, and while autonomous vehicles are expected to reduce the number of accidents, uh, there are still going to be uh, situations that you can't control, where something darts out all of a sudden, or um, and the autonomous vehicle is moving down the street and there's ice, for example, and, and somebody darts out from a side street and or multiple people. Does the vehicle know to choose if it's going to hit a car or a person or a person or a dog? Like there's a lot of those things that, that raise a lot of concern for municipalities. And one of the biggest concerns is how that relates to our liability insurance and municipalities because of the concept of joint and several liability that is across Canada to different extents. In Ontario, the Negligence Act, if you're found 1% liable, you can end up paying 100% of the costs. And many municipalities have found themselves in that uh, situation and if uh, the the talk is for autonomous vehicles that the vehicle would be insured at the five million dollar level but depending on the accident if if it's an autonomous bus for example um, and its own like condominium corporation owns it and it's taking people back and forth to an LRT stop or a, another kind of transit stop uh, $5 million doesn't go very far in an accident, and it's very easy to find the municipality on the hook for 1%. Uh, municipalities are also running into problems with finding secondary insurance covers, coverage and problems with very high deductibles. So uh, it is possible for municipalities to go bankrupt. And, and so the scare, I think, is very real, the, the concern that municipalities have over the, over the liability. Thanks, Mary Ellen. That's interesting, the, uh, the potential liability risk as well as the insurance issues for both municipalities and industry. Anka, I wonder if we, if we look to the future what do we expect as far as commercial adoption of these types of technologies and, and how they might be implemented going forward? Autonomous vehicles are one of the most highly anticipated innovations in consumer products. It is expected that it will have a significant impact on the economy, saving on labor costs and reducing carbon dioxide emissions, for example. But we also see industry-specific uptake uh, of these technologies. For example, the mining and the farming industries have adopted autonomous vehicles 
which can operate on private roads where there is no risk for of um, accidents or for example in the mining industry they have increased worker safety in high-risk environments by taking operators in areas where um, other vehicles might otherwise be submerged or trapped like in the tunnels we also see a lot of um, we also see the future in jobs that are currently held by human workers, such as taxis or public transit drivers who could be replaced as a result of the autonomous vehicles able to operate on their own. For example, in the US in Columbus, Ohio, um, autonomous vehicles are used to connect unemployed residents in a neighborhood to a job center nearby. Or in Austin and San Francisco, there are plans to use this autonomous technology to provide transportation options to low-income residents. But this, like Marianne mentioned, the insurance companies will have to rethink their traditional business models because uh, the accidents caused by human uh, interactions will presumably, presumably decrease. And... Um, and we have to be able to insure the vehicle or provide for insurance if the automated system has caused or is responsible for, for an accident. With the Ontario's pilot project allowing for the use of level four and level five vehicles, um, the Ontario pilot project, where a driver does not have to be present or has minimum interaction with the vehicle, we now see some emergence of projects in Ontario where self-driving cars are being tested. The Ontario pilot project requires that the driver be present in the driver's seat for any, uh, any test pilot automated um, vehicle at all times. And as for the insuring requirements, uh, Ontario Ontario requires a minimum of $5 million in liability insurance um, in order to approve such use of autonomous vehicles. And the minimum of $8 million is required for vehicles with seating capacity of eight or more passengers. In uh, Toronto, there is a proposed uh, transportation innovation zone at an exhibition place where um, self-driving cars will be tested and autonomous snow plows. Maybe they will avoid those sensors on the road if they're autonomous as well. And as well as robotic mail delivery systems. In Ottawa, there is another example where the L5 testing facility is offer world-class integrated testing grounds for the safe implementation of connected and autonomous vehicles. This is an um, 1,800-acre region, fenced and gated private facility with 16 kilometers of paved roads. And it's a very controlled environment to test this, um, this bead. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices. Our speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic. 
related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our Smart Cities Chat podcast series.